through bite-sized epic reworks of Edward Grieg, George Friedrich Handel, Richard Wagner, and many more, the Ostrogothic Fantasy Orchestra has released a new album, Watch the Vatican, which is available now. Watch the Vatican includes 13 drummed-up tracks and will introduce the world of classical music to both young and old. Music is a great way to awaken sleeping souls and raise anyone's vibration to the next level. So head over to gothokestra.com to listen now. If you like what you hear, consider purchasing a digital copy of the album on Bandcamp. That's gothokestra.com. G-O-T-H-O-C-H-E-S-T-R-A dot com. And keep in mind, the monogram of the nine is with us all the way. back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today my guest is Adam Gill. First, I have a couple of announcements. I am currently attempting to start travel for the docuseries in a couple of months. I'll be headed through Texas and down to South Louisiana to start with. I eventually want to get across the United States and visit with as many of you as possible along the way. I do need your help. If you would like to help me get on the road you can go to supportfkn.com, or I have a PayPal link in the description. Anything is greatly appreciated. If you donate $5 or more through supportfkn.com, you get access to Corey Hughes' secret JFK forum. Go check that out. His book will be available soon. Check out our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.news, also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You'll find some of your favorite podcasts from our community there. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get the premium content. You also get all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You can also create a free account, get access to everyone's free content, including all our regular shows. You just go to rokfin.com slash fknplus to sign up or click the link in the description. Today I want to welcome Adam Gill. He is a retired high school physical education teacher working in the public school system for 30 years. He also worked as a landscape photographer, writer, and documentary filmmaker. Currently, he hosts his own podcast and works as a Reiki practitioner and mentor. Adam, welcome. How you doing? 
Okay, thank you. Nice to have. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you, man. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Today we're going to discuss what is known as the Akashic Records and a bit about your journey and exploration into your own ancestry through the Akashic Records and past life regressions. Uh, I, I very often hear guests talk about the Akashic Records and describe them as being able to have access to information about anything and everything in this kind of etheric type of information realm, which everyone has access to at all times through different types of meditation, altered states, and many other different various methods that I've heard about. Uh, But before we get too deep into this, this is your first time on. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you down your path. Well, I've been a phys ed teacher for the last 30 years, 31 and a half years. I finished teaching last year um, from that particular um, journey through being a teacher. It was mostly about downloading information and teaching the children or inspiring the children on how to become more uh, independent and self, you know, critical thinkers in life and to be and to learn how to do things from a from a deeper perspective. So as a phys ed teacher, I was obviously teaching physical education, but I was also teaching them how to survive and how to become more of who they were in terms of self-love, self-acceptance. Um, through that through that experience, I had certain things that took place at my job uh, that presented themselves on a physical, um, physical journey, or I, I suffered medically for, from, through different things. I had Lyme disease, but more so I had an incident where I was looking at the vents at my school building. And each time I looked up at the school, at the vent up in the gym, I would get a panic attack. And I didn't understand what that was. I know I was having issues with maybe asthma and I, you know, I was suffering from that, but I knew there was more of a, of a psycho, psychosomatic type of uh, feeling that was coming over me. And that presented itself through my breathing. Um, one of the co-workers at work who saw some type of holistic healer at the time, I didn't really have an understanding what that was. Uh, I was more or less tuned in just going to the doctor and so on and so forth. Although I did have interests in other types of esoteric uh, and metaphysical types of things, um, but not, not, not to the extent that I do now. So basically what happened was the co-worker at work told me that there was this healer who sees people and can tell you what's wrong with you. And I said, wow, that seems kind of strange to me or, you know, it was out there for me, although I did have an interest, but the, the fiat was, was what really got in the way. So I called him up. He said, uh, you have asthma. I said, yes, I do. Um, and I said, what, do you, what should I do? He says, please come in, came in and through seeing him for on and off, he was able to look at my aura, which I later understood in terms of my external energy field of what it presented on a physical level. And as I kept seeing him more often, he would then tell me that, you know, you were in World War II in a past life. And I didn't understand the past lives at that point, although I was interested. I took the information in um, and then I f- went further to, to growing a deeper understanding of the spiritual realm or the energy that we're, we can, that we're made up of. Um, from there, I wound up studying the reading a book on the Akashic Records. Um, and then I wound up accessing the Akashic Records by taking specific classes, becoming certified. Um, and once I was able to access this information, I was then doing readings for myself where I had asked questions about my past life. 
And some of the information that came through was I heard Germany um, and I heard Berlin. And then I had a reading done with a, the, the author of the book that I was reading, who was the teacher, and she, without her knowing my information, accessed my Akashic records and then told me my, I, had a, I had a past life in Germany in World War II. And that some of the physical conditions that I was suffering from were a direct line of gas and smoke and the gas chambers. And that I was a doctor in the Holocaust. And she said Auschwitz or a camp near Auschwitz. With that said, I had always a deep interest. In 1987, before any of this took place, this was some 20 years prior to my feeling these feelings, I lived in Germany. Um, I was married to a German woman, and I spoke German fluently within five months, which made it all interesting to, to the fact that things were now meshing together or you know coming together in some way. Um, with that, I wound up furthering my exploration into this field by going to psychic and medium workshops and then having sat in a room where there was the incense blowing and the smoke was filled in the room and I was getting panicky. And so a girl next to me who didn't know me, she saw my panicking, my squirmishing in my seat and she said, you okay? I said, yeah. She, I said, the smoke bothers me. And she said, it's not from this life, it's from the past life. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So, so as, as I just, as I kept going on, I, I became a Reiki, Reiki practitioner. Um, I opened up to the energy, energetic fields, recognizing the strength, the power that it gave you to have that insight into the things that we just don't see on a daily basis or we don't focus in on. And from there, I was doing uh, healing, healing for, for a client on, through a Zoom meeting. And at the end of the Zoom meeting, she popped up from her chair and she said, I know you from the concentration camps. And so I was obviously had heard this before. Yeah. And so for somebody to say it to me who didn't like the other people had no contact with me and to mention, I said, explain. She said, yeah, I see you sitting there as one of the doctors with suspenders on and so on and so forth, dressed like a doctor. And uh, it's very dark and scary. And the, the time and in, in, in what happened. And I don't know if she mentioned that I saved her. Or I helped her. Um, but then skip two years later she did a reading she did a reading for me actually thereafter and told me that i was a, i was from a jewish father and a christian mother i lived in berlin which is what i received in my akashic record reading when i did it for myself but then i wound up doing an interview because i have a podcast um on youtube i interviewed a couple and they said they knew somebody that would know me and then i contacted this person and she said, you were the doctor in Auschwitz that took me off the line and saved my life. And she had the name of the doctor through her own wow. reading and her own recollection. That so is incredible. It brought me to this particular understanding of how that past life filters its way through the present moment and manifests itself into a physical condition or at least the opportunity for one to actually investigate and try to solve something from the past, which can help us in the present moment and help our lives. I love it, man. Let's, there's so much that I, I want to break down from this. Uh, let's start with your understanding of the Akashic Records uh, and help the audience understand what exactly this is and what can be gained from accessing this. Yeah, okay. Well, the Akashic Records is a, a vibrational library in the fifth dimension. 
It's not an actual physical library, but it contains all the information of the universe from all of all beings from the beginning of time and space. In the Old Testament, it was the Book of Life. It's a place where we receive information of all our actions. In other words, what we speak, think, and feel is a reverberation of energy that hits the Akasha, which is in the astral plane. And that energy then reverberates back to us, just like if we throw a ball against the wall or we jump on a trampoline, we, as hard as we jump on a trampoline, as hard as we're going to project ourselves, as much as what we think about or we speak about or how we speak and how we act is, will come back to us in, in the form of our present reality. In terms of past lives, all the information that took place in the past life is an accumulation of what our soul has experienced. And the Akashic Records is a place of love, and it's a place of giving information to us that helps our soul evolve and, and, and change and grow. So while we're on a, in a state of ego in, in many times and gaining materialism or wanting yes and no responses from life, we gain, we gain wisdom from accessing the information that the Akashic Records gives us by enhancing our soul's growth, challenging ourselves to, to awaken our soul. Now, what uh, methods did you personally use whenever you first started accessing this? When, a, when, a, when, one, when one wants to access the Akashic Records from the way I was taught was through a specific prayer. It was a prayer that's passed down from a Mayan tradition translated into Spanish that was translated into English and passed through this man by the name of Johnny Pozensky, I think his name is, who had a vision one day or dream and had met the woman in his dream that he dreamed about passing on the Akashic Record prayer. And so this prayer was then given to him and he translated into English. It's a vibrational energy. It's a prayer like, let's say, letters like Kabbalah or any type of like um, certain, you know, languages have a certain vibration to them. Well, the words have a vibration to them. And the prayer itself is the access point for a person to then open up their own Akashic records. And was this done all with the combination of, of meditation or any other type of uh, altered state? Um, I think the, the thing that allows one to really access the Akashic records is ex acceptance of not allowing the interference of self-talk or chatter to get in the way of the information. But the prayer itself, the prayer itself puts you in a state of, of receiving, but also in a medit not a meditative state, but in a lower brain waves state where you're able to then um, almost it's like a daydreaming state, so to speak. You're not asleep, but you're in a state of, of daydreaming, which is what daydreaming is sort of where your brain waves slow down and you're able to then connect to the creativity of the universe. So the Akashic Record prayer does that for us. It gives us that opportunity to lower our brain waves and connect to the Akashic Records, to the masters and guides who are communicating with us on a daily basis, but we just we don't hear it because we're so noisy. Now, these masters and guides, I've had my own experience through uh, forms of meditation, what I call contact with my spirit guides that gave me profound information about myself, uh, past traumas that I've had that I need to heal, and kind of led me on the path I'm on now. Uh, these, these spirit guides are also, you would consider, in the same type of realm as the Akashic Records, and they have a connection with it? Yes, yes. 
the the astral plane and you know the vibrational place where our souls our bodies cross over into a soul form and in that place is higher end um, vibrational beings masters and teachers who are who we can then access for a specific person as you just said and the person has a specific guide or master and where i as a reader am reading the information that's passed down from a person's masters and teachers and the information is relevant to that you know particular person's life and what they need to change or go through or what they're going through or what they will you know uh, manifest in the future based upon the information that's passed down so it's it's very insightful because it's giving a person a kind of a roadmap of how their actions are, um, are are manifesting their particular um current situation or as i just said the future possibilities and the vibration the masses and teachers have our best interest in mind it's not our ego which is trying to alter um outcomes it's a place of love and of calmness and so anything that is passed through that information is always in a calming and loving way now i want to get your understanding of past lives and how everything in our realities and these past lives are unfolding there you know many guests that i've had that believe that everything is occurring simultaneously in some way and time doesn't exist as we traditionally understand it uh what is your understanding of how these past lives are occurring are they actually past lives or there's something that occurs at all at the same time i think it's i don't think it's linear by any means i don't think it's you know one two three four in a straight line like we think things are I think there's overlapping of different energies and lives in one where different things are interacting in on on our soul and i think the purpose of that taking place is to keep us um not alert alerted but it's to keep us in a state of growth um, so that we're reminded of things that had happened in the past that we were to have worked on and what we need to work on in the present moment. So it is an overlapping of lives and they will um, integrate themselves, I think, into the life. Like a person, for example, as we know, could go to the ocean and say, I have a, I'm not going in the water. And the person say, how come? Because I'm petrified of the water, but nothing happened in that present life that, that, that leaves any remnants to have a person have fear. But if a person investigates further, then they can see the overlapping, which is actually occurring in the present life from some other past life. In my case, for example, we're talking about the breathing difficulties. Those, those were specific physical ailments that were coming up to remind me of something I needed to validate or to recognize to improve my soul's lot in this present life. Otherwise, I'd be carrying this baggage and never worked on the things that I was supposed to work on. Now, while we're talking about the healing uh, abilities and the, I guess, what past lives can actually show us and heal us in our in our current incarnations, what, how far can this go? Does this uh, just take care of like phobias and fears or can it also help with physical ailments uh, and things that are uh, affecting our biology in some way? I think, I think. In terms of epigenetics of things passing down from gener generation to generation that's you know from family to family but on the soul level um i think we can help ourselves assist ourselves certainly with all different types of things whether it be physical emotional um i think that we again are being like 
reminded. I mean, as they say, some people who are born in a present life have scars in specific parts of their body that never that that mimic the places where they suffered a wound from, let's say, a previous life. So a person would then be reminded of that particular remnant of how that happened or what happened and what we were supposed to, again, learn from all of these experiences. I think they're teaching us to evolve. I think the earth is a, is a playground of, of learning. And no matter how much we suffer, if we're able to overcome and, and not victimize ourselves by the circumstances, but actually grow from it and become wise, we then are, we lose, we, we drop the past live remnants. We get, we get it. And once we get it, then we are, we're, we're in a state of receiving and growing into the, into the future, into the new life. And so I think bur burying things is, is, is the, something we don't want to do. We want to we bring things up to the surface and, and question where things are and how they came about. Do you believe that we are living in multiple simultaneous timelines and existences at the same time as maybe slightly different forms of ourselves? If you watch Interstellar, we are. Yeah, I do. Yeah, right. I do. I think I think dreaming, I think uh, daydreaming, I think seeing things and believing what we see in our dreams and having the courage to actually uh, investigate it gives us an opportunity to to uh, assimilate those experiences into our present life, or it's giving us the opportunity to do that. So I think we're definitely multi-dimensional multi and living, as we said before, in a non-linear um, way, but having different experiences come into play. I think when we experience other people in our lives from that we recognize on a soul level, I mean, those people may have been in another lifetime, but they're here also in a different body, but on an energetic level, they're certainly here um, mimicking certain certain interactions and patterns that we've 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 gone through before. Right now, unfortunately, there are still plenty of people in this world that have an understanding of energy healing and Reiki and things of this nature as being something woo woo and uh, not anything that we should consider as actual. Uh, healthcare or anything, but I have had personal experience that says otherwise. I've had tons of people in my community, in my life that use this stuff on a daily basis and have profound results with it, uh, better than most modern um, medical industry or pharmaceuticals that you're going to get. So um, do you see that this is becoming more uh, accepted uh, in in society, and since, especially since you started working with this? Well, I think um, Western medicine has been around for the last 200 years, but real traditional medic medicine has been around prior to that. And how did people heal themselves? What did people do? Um, I think we've been dumbed down by different industries and different mindsets to make us become dependent on systems rather than being dependent upon our own wisdom and our own innate ability to heal from within. Mm -hmm. as opposed to going from the outside in. Um, I think we have the energetic potential to connect to the universal energy, which is powerful. I mean, you see it in Tai Chi, you see it in Qigong, you see it in, in healers, as you spoke about, having the ability to, to manipulate energy, acupuncture, acupressure, working on meridians and specific lines of the body, which they know will assist other organs or different energy centers. Reiki itself, I mean, uh, chakra healing, working on the chakras, which are, 
connected to the vortexes of our different organs and knowing that if it, we we you know work on them and if we manifest the, the, the not manifest but actually focus in on that we're able to make changes in terms of science as we're talking not only about the akashic records but talk as we talk about fit, you know the medical industry and, and and how we're able to be or we should be able to become more dependent on ourselves even in science for example when we talk about like the akashic records science recognizes that energy like Irvin Laszlo in 20 in 2004 and 2005 who was a Nobel Peace Prize winner candidate he recognized and validated the existence of the akashic records and he said you know there's a field that exists in the universe that inter it's an interconnecting field that in, inter interwebs with every atom and cell that and connects to everything like in the hindus believe that the one of the elements is the ether which is the akasha and that's the space between space and that's yeah. the space that we're actually reading or working on that connects everything to everything that we're a, a giant web of information and it doesn't matter if a person is five feet in front of you or five thousand feet of, apart from you that energy doesn't change it's the it's the power of intent and the power of, of the mind just as the you have a placebo effect right you can alter mm -hmm. you can shift the energy you can shift the chemistry of your body you can also shift it in a positive way not just in a negative way right. we think that we think we can we think that because things happen it's because we think we're thinking in a negative way and it is happening because of that if we think in a positive way which takes more courage and more patience and we turn the tide into that mindset then we have the the capacity and the ability to really shift and take control of our own health yeah, I love it. And the more I learn about this stuff, the more I see how our energy and our outlook and what we put out is it affects everything around us. Uh, I want to get your insights into some of these specific types of energy healings so we can maybe give the audience that may not be familiar with it a little better understanding, starting with Reiki healing. Uh, could you explain to your best ability what this is and what it entails? Well, Reiki is... is first off having a connection of of energy you're of accessing the universal energy and that's through the heart chakra through the heart energy it's a place of actually sending your energy with powerful loving intent from the universe to the client you're working with and that's done through either hands on or hands at a distance and in actual it doesn't really make make a difference because the power of intention with an open heart, you have the capacity and ability to send energy. So Reiki is sending energy to the different areas of the body, removing negative energy, clearing the negative energy away, using universal life force to then add positive energy to a specific part of the body, and actually feeling through the hands and then interpreting through the heart the different energies that are either working good or off balance in the body right on and so now, reiki is a, reiki is a balancing of the energetic body of a client and what about uh chakra healing what is the difference between that well the chakra healing i when i do chakra healing i usually work through a dis distance or i could do it in person but it's actually visualizing clearing out each particular chakra with sound vibrations which is the sounds that resonate with each particular chakra so it's lum vum rum hum 
Yam, Ham, Om, and Aum. It's different than the seven chakras and the seven sounds. And what I do is I remove each, I clear each particular chakra, visualizing it and moving it, and then closing the chakras but by adding the sounds to them and the colors to them. And most of the clients I work with, they actually visually see this from a distance. They see the colors I'm working on, and they can tell me where I was and what I was doing. Because you can feel the energy and the space, time, space and time, uh, you know, the space is, no, is not even a, something that, that needs to be considered. It's something that works. Now, through my experiences personally, through my contact with my spirit guides, uh, I've had a couple of sound frequency healing sessions with a few people. Um, what I understand is clearing childhood trauma is probably one of the most important things anyone could do for themselves if they want to have a fulfilled life. Is that right? Well, I think we are, we are born into this earth whole, unlike maybe biblical or religious um, um, interjecting, interjections or philosophies may say that we're not, right? But we're born as a, as a soul. I mean, we may have fragmented souls from past lives where we, need, we, we don't have the full sense of what our soul is, what it needs to be in order to be whole. But trauma, in any sense, cuts parts of ourselves off. And when the parts of ourselves are cut off, we become fragmented. We, we're not whole anymore. We become scattered and um, we become, we dissociate from situations. I think when we're able to, as I work also do shamanic work, um, the shamanic journeying is actually doing a journey, going into the person's life and seeing where a trauma took place, trying to incorporate that trauma by bringing it up to the client and having them try to talk about it a little bit but even on an energetic level, trying to bring the part that left, that's almost like sitting in a tree and wants to come back in or doesn't want to come back in to make the person whole. But in, in any case, trauma is, is, a, is, is a place that we cut part of ourselves off from because of the shame and guilt and other emotions that are involved in it. So we want to leave it behind, but it's like cutting off half of our body and just operating from the torso up and because we don't like the way the legs looked or we don't like what the past was like but we have to assimilate that part and work through that darkness in order for us to find the strength and power within ourselves and i think when we work on it if we can do that and and not run away from it i find i think we find our power i think every person has their own personal trauma in their own certain way some more than others mm -hmm. and some people's level of sensitivity towards things will be higher or lower but nonetheless, people know what shame is, people know what guilt is, and those emotions, which are very low resonating energies, bring us down to a place of victim, victimizing ourselves, whether it be addiction, or whether it be just negative self-talk, or not feeling good enough. And sometimes we play the victim instead of taking back our own power, and I think we take back our power by reincorporating the parts we chose to leave out. Right on. I'd love to hear more uh, about shamanic healing and maybe some examples of, of what you're doing. Shamanic healing is, um, I, I work with, I studied under it, uh, Itzhak Berry, um, who is a New York Times bestselling author and a shamanic healer in New York City. Um, and many of his teaching teachings come from the uh, Ecuadorian mountains, from, from the Andes. 
Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a healing system called Olympia. And Olympia is a cleansing of the auric field of the body. You know, we get sick from the outside in energetically. You know, when we have something gnawing at a specific part of our body, it affects specific organs. In this tr tradition, it's not so much chakra, but it's based on clearing out the energies that uh, are around us that we don't see or feel, and but eventually will make us sick. So I use different techniques from um, blowing rum, which cleans the auric field, to then using um, incense, uh, like um, Palo, Palo Santo and uh, sage, clearing out the energy with the smoke, and then um, adding um, energy back into the body in a positive way so that it restores the auric field, like clearing out, washing off the energy field, cleaning it and, and, and closing it in and trapping then positive energy back into the body. And in the process also doing an egg clearing, which is taking an egg and r running it over the body, which, which the eggs have pores and those pores um, absorb the negative energy from the body. And actually, sometimes the egg gets heavy or sometimes it cracks in certain places when you roll it over the body because the energy is so strong. And it has the potential to remove. It's a removal technique. Now, have you ever done any uh, clearing of energy from spaces or homes or buildings? Uh, and do you know a little bit about how these, these energies can become trapped and, and what's happening in those situations? Hello friends, have you heard of PEMF or Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Technology? I want to tell you a little bit about the Centropics Cloud. The Centropics Cloud is an at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud you can protect yourself and optimize your wellness anywhere you go. It supports molecular activation, energy, endurance, performance, rapid recovery, mental acuity, stress reduction, sleep management, deep relaxation, and much more. The cloud has the most effective frequency range of any at-home bioresonance frequency device. With the cloud, you'll experience up to 20,000 amplitudes per second through eight large coils and reach a wider molecular range in the body. Regenerate your batteries and keep your inner vital forces at full speed with the Centropics Cloud. Just visit GetTheFrequency.com or click the link in the description to take control of your health today. Well, I've, I've done it. I'm, that's not my specialty, but I've done it before in terms of clearing out the energy. I do it in my house and I've done it in other people's houses. The... the when things become stagnant, when things are not moving, when we accumulate things, when we, we hoard things or put things in specific spots and we don't allow things to move energetically, whether it be sound or furniture or books or old material we have, we, the energy start to build up and that energy takes a toll on our body because it becomes heavy. And that heaviness sinks our energy to a lower level and almost suffocates the energetic field. So either putting salt in the corner of a room, grinded salt in the corners of the room, or taking a candle and going up to each corner of the room will sometimes remove the negative energy from the room because energy likes to accumulate in corners. It likes to accumulate in, in areas where there are things that are, that are um, 
you know, stacked. What about if there's like a lot of emotional negativity or maybe even like emotional abuse or trauma that's happened in a place? Does yeah, that leave yeah. residual? Well, I, I think we could, we, we could, uh, we can sometimes feel people's energy when they walk by us. That's their mm-hmm. own accumulation. That's their energetic field. You can get a bad vibe from somebody and you can walk into a room and feel the heaviness and feel sick and you don't know why you feel sick. So yeah, I, I've been in places where I felt I didn't want to be there and I knew that there's some energy going on there or something might have taken place in that room or some, some type of emotional, energetic field is, is, is heavy. You, know, you can feel the heaviness of a yeah. room. You can get nauseous in a place and say, why do I not want to be here? Or the opposite's true. Why are you so happy to be in a certain place with nice flowing energy, the vibration's high and it doesn't feel heavy? Mm-hmm. How much do you think that these uh, outside frequencies and millimeter waves and f- Wi-Fi and all this are affecting our natural energies? Well, I can't say that I'm an expert on that. I can only speak from my assumption and my intuition. And mm-hmm. there's, I, I don't think it could be good for us, certainly. I don't think people who are aware of it, like you're bringing the subject up to me, uh, find any positivity in it. Um, I think that it's a, it's, it's a silent energy that is, is in, it causes interference. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, the higher we go in frequency with 5g and further and beyond, we can't help but be affected by the energies that are around us. I mean, people say that you can protect yourself by not thinking about it or not creating the negativity of, of, of manifesting that mindset. But you know, we are being bombarded energetically with Wi-Fi, with the cell phones, and obviously greater technology, which is giving us benefits on the external world. But internally, I don't know what it's doing to us. Right. Uh, now, you also write about breathing and its positive impact and breathing techniques. Uh, I've, you know, experienced this firsthand again, especially for trying to get to sleep. It's it's a, a miracle for that and stress and other things. But w- talk a little bit about um, your understanding of the importance of breathing. Well, I incorporate various breathing techniques on a daily basis in order to elicit different physiological feelings in my body, whether it be excitement or calming down or just general health. In fact, on my YouTube channel, I, I show a few videos on the alternate nasal breathing, um, and I do Wim Hof breathing, and I do a chakra breathing um, technique, which is a fire breath. And each one of them elicit different types of, uh, as I said before, physiological changes in the body, you know, lowering blood pressure, um, helping to alkalinize the, the, the blood turning it from acidity to base, you know, to more basic uh, um, content, which is healthier for healing. So I think the oxygenated, the ability for us to oxygenate ourselves, to bring more oxygen, brings more health into our body and raises our vibration. So that's my intent of doing that and also teaching people how to do that so that they can live a healthier life, um, increase the level the immune system so the ability to fight off disease and as we were speaking about before use ourselves as our medical medicine cabinet as opposed to going on the outside and trying to find things that just blanket everything rather than giving us alternatives right um, and is there a way, a certain way that we should just be normally breathing that most people uh, kind of mistake and, and just do this in a different way normally? Well, I think we breathe shallow. I think we're so used to just, you know, we're, we're in a fight, fight or flight um, mindset. 
where we're not paying attention to the breath. But I think if we practice breathing, just like you practice anything, eventually you become more conscientious of what you're actually doing, whether it be walking in the, the way you sit in your posture. And I think there's no, there's no difference of, of in terms of breathing. I think we can alternate or we can certainly change the way we breathe. I think breathing in through our nose, uh, in through our nose, out through our nose is a great technique to actually calm ourselves down. Um, you know, if a person wants to become excitatory, they would do a breathe, fire breath where they would breathe rapidly. So the slower we breathe in, but more importantly, the way we exhale will lower our blood pressure and actually lower our heart rate. So in, inhal a slow inhalation, but a longer exhalation. And if we could breathe deeply into our stomach and use our diaphragm, and, and that breathing itself will also help assist the chemistry of our brain and also help calm us down. I think that's important. Yeah, and you also um, you talk about connecting to the right brain for, for men and women, connecting to more of intuition. Uh, could you talk about how we can do that? Well, I think, for, I think actually in terms of breathing-wise, alternate nasal breathing helps us access, uh, not access, it helps con better connect the left and right hemispheres by alternate breathing. Um, alternate breathing is breathing in through one nostril, closing the nostril you just breathed in, exhaling through the opposite nostril, breathing in through the nose, the, nos the nostril you just exhaled through, and then closing that nostril and f doing this for about nine cycles. I think is a very powerful way of, of, of connecting the left and right hemispheres. In terms of um, speaking about the left and right hemispheres as it comes to our um, the creativity or the logic aspects of our brain, I think, I think it's important for us to balance by doing activities that um, assist us. So for example, doing things that, cre that are creative, like drawing, or um, meditating will help us develop more of the right brain in terms of logic and you know organization skills we would obviously do those external things to create a better a better a balance of that on the, the right side um, i mean the left left brain but in terms of connecting both i think it's important for us to be balanced so that we have masculine and feminine, we are, we're more in touch with our masculine and feminine side on both, both sexes, whether it be male or female. We wanna be balanced. In shamanism, it's the sun, which is the male, and the earth, which is female, and there's a balance of both meeting at the heart so that we become more balanced. We take on the feminine strength of the earth, and we take on the, the masculine qualities of the sun, and we integrate them together so that we have the wisdom of the feminine, but we have the strength of the masculine. And the combination of two assists us to become whole. And when we meet those two energies at the heart, we become well-rounded. A lot of times what happens when we're under stress, we wind up thinking as we're on a spiritual journey that we wanna go into the clouds and we wanna go into the heavens and we wanna float up there, but we don't have our feet on the ground. So there's no connection to the earth. And we're really here on this earth to really grow and change our as we were talking about our soul's path and we really can't do that unless we're grounded so we want to be grounded in mother earth but we want to have also our head above um and i think that's that's an important concept in fact in shamanism as we talk about that there's the thing called the pachakuti which is now the transformation of the masculine and feminine energies joining together there's a 500 year cycle um 
That is when the um, male eagle and the female condor, female from the south, eagle from the north, they two, they join together in the sky and they intermingle with one another. Mm. And that's what we're going through right now. I think so this is perfect. such an important thing to touch on, especially with what's happening right now, where it's all being inverted and we're we're being confused, and it, it seems like they're trying to eliminate both, uh, you know, aspects of the feminine and masculine in each sex. So uh, I think it's really important people understand these concepts, especially during these times. Well, I think I think nature shows it best. Tree needs to be rooted in the ground, but it needs to get its nutrients from the ground, but it also needs to get its nutrients from the sun. Without the sun, the plant can't grow. And without the plant, with the plant getting sun, but not being rooted in the ground, they can't live. And we can't, we can't be one without the other. Um, we, need to, we need to connect to our wisdom. The wisdom is the, is, the, is the feminine. The sensitivity, the lovingness, the ability to really be a man by being strong is being showing up you know, wisdom and strength, loving strength and compassion. And that compassion only comes through when we're in touch with who we truly are. We can't be complete if, unless we're balanced, unless we acknowledge the both sides. We're not just left, we're also right. We're left-handed and right-handed. We receive, we take with both hands. Okay, we, Otherwise, we're half of who we're supposed to be. But as men, we're taught to be overcompensate by being overly masculine, by losing the qualities that we that we're born with. And that's not true, truly who we are. And that's not truly who anybody is, whether it be male or female, or we're a balance of both. And we have to find the qualities that reach that equilibrium. It's different for everybody. You know, each person's different. But integrating both qualities into your life makes yourself become more whole and more self-accepting. Because there are, we are sensitive. Mm -hmm. And when we try to cover that up, as let's say a man wants to cover up a sensitivity because he feels he can cry at a young age or he feels something, you know, music or something or a situation makes him sentimental, we think that's not cool. Mm -hmm. But just acknowledging that we, we have these qualities, it may be difficult when we're younger, but as we get older and understanding that we need to revisit this to, to bring equilibrium to ourselves is important. Yeah, you also talk about how we need to kind of revisit things we once did as children to uh, kind of heal our, our wounded inner child. Is that right? Well, I think I think when we shut shut our past off from where there was shame, guilt, or trauma, there were also positive aspects that existed in those parts that we cut off. You know, we try to we try to remove the, the most painful things, but along those painful things, there are there are fruit that grew on that vine that were positive. But we think we, if we cut the whole leg off, then everything goes away. And so we forget about the trauma, but we also forget about the childhood. And the childhood is an, an integral part of our happiness and who we are as we get older. Because we can't just get older without assimilating some of those qualities back into our lives to bring richness to ourselves. We need to bring back what we played, if we played a guitar, if we played sports, whatever we might have done that we threw in the, in the wastebasket because it was, it was tied in with some of the negative things that we didn't want to feel or experience anymore. It's so important to bring it back. And how do we bring that back? We make friends with the child again. We work through the hard stuff. We dismiss it not dismiss it, forget about it. We work through it and we, we slowly, you know, make peace with that. But we also make peace with the parts we threw away that, that were important to us. 
And with that brought back into our lives, we then feel the richness again, and we feel more complete. Right. Now, how do you feel about the the times we're living in? Do you think that they uh, that we are actually living in a, a special type of time where there is an actual mass awakening going on and something either cosmic or, or collective in our conscious is causing people to shift their perception of the world and uh, spirituality and have more uh, understanding of these metaphysical concepts? Well, I think throughout history, we've gone through these times. And I think to some some extent, there's a natural occurring occurrences, but there's also astrological occurrences where certain things take place and certain signs and certain cycles re, uh, revisit us. I think we're going through a time of, of, change, of great change and great awakening. As I mentioned before, in the shamanic world, the Pachacuti is a great transformation. It's when the th things will be revealed. And there'll be conflict, and sometimes conflict will bring rise to new awakenings and new changes. And I think we only change when we're pressured, like a diamond doesn't become a diamond unless it's coal and it's pressurized by the earth. And I don't think any of the circumstances or situation that we've gone through over the last two or three years would have created our, our inner work or growth without having the pressure from these type of circumstances that are going on. It's the perfect opportunity for us to either create or to sink deeper into a pit. If we use it for an impetus of growth, I think it can really, we can grow mountains out of the situation. If we've done the inner work or we've done the dark, looked at the dark shadows of our lives. So I think each period of, there's periods in, in lives and sometimes more profound than others. And this was a profound period that we're going through or have gone through and will go through. So I think it's going to give us the opportunity if we follow our heart and follow our intuition for our own creation. Right on. Now I want to shift a little bit and get your insights into some high strange aspects of our reality. First, you had a UFO experience. Is that correct? I did. Um, yeah, I've, always, I've always thought that, you know, we just can't be contained by the sphere of this earth, right? I mean, we're not contained by just the roof of our house. Um, so I felt that there are things that, that, that just because we don't see things and having done Akashic record readings and not specifically know, I don't know the person. And then I tell them information about them. There's obviously some type of energy being transmitted that gives me this insight. So that was the first step of understanding that not everything we see or it, not everything that's unseen is not seeable. Um, so I know that when you look at animal shows and you see animals that you never saw before, you see the structure of their faces, you see what the colors that, that exist. You sometimes say, I never saw this before. I didn't know this exists. So I felt the same way about other universes. And I feel that we're not alone. And I had last year, I was on the, in the beach in New Jersey and I was sitting on the beach with my girlfriend. All of a sudden, a disc came out of the sky, it looked like a balloon. It was about maybe 600 feet off the ground. I don't think anybody saw it, but I happened to be looking exactly at the spot where it was. I guess I was drawn to it. Um, looked up, looked like a, a silver balloon and then flattened balloon. It went from looking like a balloon to something flat and then it just took off as I watched it. And I looked around me to see if anybody saw it, but nobody was even looking in that direction or at that height. So I knew it was some type of connection for me to notice it. Uh, and then I've spoken to many people who never shared their story about seeing UFOs when they were children. 
and telling me that they saw. I never told anybody, but I'll tell you, I saw this when I was younger. I saw that when I was younger. And I was in New Hampshire a few years ago, and I was in, uh, I think it was Conway. Maybe it was Conway. I'm not sure of the town. Um, and I told my girlfriend, I said, in this town, something happened with an alien or UFO encounter. And sure enough, I looked it up on the internet, and there was the first abduction to Betty and Bonnie Hill story. They were the first couple who were abducted in the 60s. He was a postal worker. I think, and she was a social worker and the two of them who were professionals had this experience and shared it. And they put a plaque up in the town, actually from the, the city commerce that it existed or this took place. So it was very interesting. I was right outside the hotel and this was, this sign was not far from my hotel. Wow. That's really interesting. Now, what is your, um, understanding about what these are? Do you think that, uh, these craft are actually connected to the UFO phenomenon aspect where people are actually being taken from their homes and having, uh, you know, experiments done and meeting hybrid children? Or do you think it's more of a spiritual phenomenon? And then they have the aspect that it's just our government doing this, and they're the ones that have all this high-tech uh, kind of craft flying around, and it has nothing to do with actual extraterrestrials. I want to get your take on this kind of, uh, this ET world. Well, I'll, sp I'll speak on behalf of actually a shaman who's in his 80s who had a personal experience and told me his take on that because sure. I can't say I have my feelings about it, obviously. I've interviewed people who've written books called Voices from the Cosmos, Angela Thompson-Smith. She worked she worked for IRVA, who works for IRVA, the International Remote Viewing Association. Um, but this gentleman uh, who's a shaman told me that as a child he would go up to the mountains to retreats in the Andy mountains and he, they would ask each other as they went up and down, did you see them today? And he said, yes, we saw them. Were they the friendly ones? And he said, yes. He said, they took me on the ship and they showed me the inner workings of the earth, how the water runs the energetic fields. And he explained to me that um, there were also beings that were not positive who were creating mass chaos and battling the higher vibrational, I guess, extraterrestrials for mind control or control over certain types of characters in government places. Um, or that's what he, that's what he spoke of. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was very interesting for me to hear this because this was a take on somebody who was really connected to the earth and connected to, to the, the betterment of, of the human, human uh, existence. And to share these qualities and to share these experiences of what he was speaking about was something that I took very, um, very not seriously, but I took it to heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, 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 you know, I take different belief systems, not belief systems. I take different people's experiences, and I assimilate them into my own experience. So there were people I know who I've spoken to, I've interviewed, who worked in different defense intelligence agencies who are now in their 80s who speak about their encounters of what they experienced and you know now able to share because they don't have the fear of being ostracized from the community or losing their job so yeah it's very fascinating yeah but i find 
close to the majority of cases that I've heard about and contactees that I've spoken with and people who have had these experiences, they come away having a, a positive outlook about it. They, they seem to have had a, a better understanding of what's occurring, and it seems that most of the time it's for their benefit or their, their lives changed in profound ways after for the better. I've heard very few cases where it's just a terrifying experience and they get you know probed or something and that's it and they're terrified of aliens. Yes, that happens a few times, but most of the time, if, especially if people pursue their understanding or go – uh, you know, get some type of regression to understand what's going on. It turns out being more of a positive experience. I think people become um, more insightful. Um, I think they have a deeper level of intuition from their own experiences. I think they it helps a person map out their life a bit better and to know that um, we are just a small fraction of, of, of what goes on in this universe. And to maybe not take things take things so seriously, knowing that there are forces that maybe work in a more positive way on our behalf to create situations where we can rest a little bit easier, knowing that there are things that don't want the destruction of this earth or this planet or planets. Right. Now, I want to get your understanding of what our spirit guides are. Do you believe that these are some sort of angels or angelic celestial beings that were assigned to us personally for our spiritual guidance? Or is it uh, some sort of uh, ancestors or something else that we don't really understand? What is your understanding of this? Well, I, I think it's both. I think our ancestors play a role in our, in guiding us. I think certain certain um, um, Relationships we shared on this earth uh, as, as energetic beings, grandparents who then pass over, serve as guides, uh, not guides, they serve as, well, they do guide us, but they're not in the form of a master or teacher who are higher end vibrational beings that have, you know, climbed the ladder, so to speak, of, of reincarnating different lives through different lives and, and, and mastering, I guess, their response, their, their role on this earth and then being able to assist us in guiding us to follow a path that leads us to a higher state of consciousness and to a higher state of energy. And I think if we listen to the energy as we spoke about before, I think then we can tune into it and hear the messages, not, maybe not auditorily, but vibrationally or know what's right and what's wrong. So I think those, those energetic guides are high energy, energy beings that assist us on this path. In this journey. Do you think that this realm, this planet, whatever we call Earth, is here for that purpose to spiritually evolve us, to evolve our consciousness so that we can kind of ascend to that, uh, to that next level that you're speaking of? I think if we look at the Earth as school, that we need to graduate. And when I mean graduate, doesn't mean receive a diploma, but it means to not be a victim of what life throws at us. If we use it as again, as I said before, as the to rise out of the ashes and use it as our self growth and power, then we can we can sandpaper ourselves, so to speak, and smooth ourselves over and create the diamond out of the coal again. So I think the earth is a learning pl a place of learning. It's difficult. It's difficult when we resist. It becomes more easier. It becomes easier when we accept the challenges as the the, the gas, the fuel for what we need to accomplish. I think we all have a life purpose. And I think it does, the purpose is not found easily. 
it's found through the difficulties that will then create our the clearing. So we have to clear the woods in order to see the other side of the of the forest. Yeah, I'm uh, especially excited about the times we're headed into. Yes, there's been plenty of messed up situations. Yes, it's we're probably going to have more trying times in the future before things actually get better. But from what I'm seeing from people, from my friends and family and community and people that I speak to, uh, we are becoming more awakened and enlightened, and it seems like uh, we as a collective would like to see the the world headed in a better direction and that gives me hope for everything uh how do you feel about the way we're headed uh, collectively i know that uh i believe our ancestors had tremendous abilities and connections and things that they could achieve that we are just starting to scratch the surface of now through brilliant research and we may be able to achieve some of the great things that our ancient ancestors did maybe even in the near future well, I think we've been distracted. We've found distractibility as a comfort zone, a level of, of, of finding something that we can focus in other than ourselves. I think the information has been passed down from generation to generation. And I think social media, while it has its benefits, obviously, of promoting our work and giving us an opportunity to share information, it has also caused us to find great distraction if it's used in the wrong way. Um, so I think that we're headed in the right direction as long as we have know the balance between work and play and that we know the difference and balance between what we want to manifest for the future and what we want to leave behind in the past. And I think it's important for us to look at both the dark, darkness and also the lightness in our lives as well and keeping that all in, in, in line. I love it, man. Very well said. This was fantastic, man. I'd definitely love to talk with you again in the future. Before you head out, let the audience know where they can find you, your work, if they're interested in getting in touch with you, all the good stuff. Yeah, um, my, my website is called adamgelluniversalhealing.com. You can access that on the internet. You can see the services I offer, the Akashic Record readings, Reiki distance healing, shamanic work, and actually a program called the Masculine Balance, where I'm trying to assist men finding the balance between the masculine and feminine, as we spoke about earlier. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Conversations with Adam Gell and Inspiring Minds. Um, on that is my documentary film that I made, and people can access that. It's called Forgotten, which is something I get, we didn't talk about, but they can they can access that. They'll still see that. Well, let's talk a little bit about it before we head. Tell, tell the audience about what they can expect. Yeah, okay. So the, the, my film Forgotten played in the New York Tri-State Area Film Festivals. I wasn't a documentary filmmaker, but I ventured off into making a film that won a few awards in, in the film festivals. It's about a story about um, a journey across time in search of my grandfather who was killed in World War II and erased from the family's memory. And how uh, I, as a seven-year-old, would visit my grandmother and... Uh, sit at her kitchen table when I was seven years old in Brooklyn when I had my own sh personal stresses at home. And she would feed me and then she would take out photo albums and show me pictures of her relatives from Russia with furry hats, snowy scenes in the 1930s. Nobody had a smile on their face. I looked, I looked at her face to see if she looked like them, if she smiled like them. But she was happier than they were and I didn't understand what was really going on. But then I came to a picture of a man in a military uniform and I was interested at seven years old in army and everything, you know, with, that had to do with that. And I asked my grandmother who this man was. And she said, it's your grandfather. But he didn't look like the grandfather that I know. 
So I came home and I said, Dad, did you know your father was a soldier? And he said, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, wow. So I went off on a venture finding this person 40 years later. And I'll leave it at that. You can yeah, that's fantastic. Do- yeah. You can watch the documentary film. It's called Forgotten. It's, it's, it, it describes the whole story in, in detail. Perfect. I will have all those links right there in the description so everyone listening can easily click on that and go check that out. Adam, thank you so much again for coming on. Like I said, I'd love to talk with you again in the future. Absolutely. It was a pleasure for me to talk to you. Yes, sir. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see you all then. Do you want to learn how to remote view? Now is your chance. The International Remote Viewing Association is offering eight weeks of remote viewing classes instructed by my friend Michelle Freed. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity starting Saturday, September 3rd, 10 a.m. Pacific. The course is only $150, and for members of the IRVA, it's only $110. Just visit irva.org slash events slash registration to sign up now.